Howdy. This is Vosh. You may know me from the YouTube channel, Vosh, where I livestream. Most of it's garbage, but sometimes the good bits get uploaded here. This is previously live. The only thing I know about this thing with, uh, with, with, with Emma and with Tim Pool is that he got really, like, upset with her, which is, uh, which is funny. You know, normally when I look up Tim Pool and then a guest that he talked to, the first thing that I see is all of the, like, Timcast uh, stream clips. But in this case, it's people going over Emma trashing uh, Tim Pool. So that's good. That's nice to know. I'm back! Uh, first thing I want to say is uh, thank you to Jack Posobiec and Seamus Coglin for guest hosting Timcast IRL while I was out. Uh, I wasn't uh, not, in fact, dead. I just lost my voice, and that really sucked. I think on Sunday I was kind of sick. I get it, and it, it sucked. So I just hung out, play, but uh, I don't care. Games all day, but then Monday I see guys. Sure, news. Go that the core really. So early core. You called. Oh, now I care. What's up? Yeah, I'm Emma Vigeland. I'm the co-host of the Majority Report. Thanks so much, Tim, for for having me on. I know that. Uh, it was a little dicey with you and Sam in terms of him uh, coming on, but uh, I'm happy. I'm happy that, that, that you had me on. Honestly. Absolutely, I'm glad you came. Yeah, you know. and it's it's. I just want to clear this up because I know that you know you didn't want to have Sam on because you called him a grifter, right? Yeah. And part of the reason that you called him that is that's hilarious. By the way, that he did that. The reason he called Sam a grifter was because Sam didn't want to fly like across the country to go to Tim Pool's secret forest compound where he and his thirty heavily armed friends. Um, you know, like ha have you on for a debate when you could just like call a person in the modern world. It's because you said that, you know, we put your song through a filter on our show and I just want you to know I was hosting that day. We okay, don't, don't have the technology that. to do that. So I did not do that. So there you go. Clar yeah, it was like that up for you. the, the song. So uh, that specific issue was the song we put out played on your show had like the mids ripped out of it. We and, don't have the technological ability to do that. We're just a bunch of leftists in oh. with like a soundboard. I promise the, you, nothing was intentional. You don't have audacity. It's free. Well, no. no the, the the issue here is likely I really that know. I don't know anything about if you don't tech. if you don't have proper ingestion, then like the audio is going through a TV or something. It's going to sound really bad. Right. Mm. So if if we were to like play music on the TV and then put the mics up to it, everything would be ripped out from it. And then if we were to say, l listen, how bad this sounds, it's misleading the average person, right? Thinking well, that yeah. that's what the song sounds like. But, but, but I played that and look, I mean, we're, we're here to have a great discussion, um, I think, but it's interesting that even though I played it, that was your justification for calling Sam a grifter. It's not though. Uh, the issue okay. with Sam was that I put out a tweet where I said, uh, we, we, we try to invite people on the left mm -hmm. all the time. Yep, they were saying go. no. And then Sam tweeted challenge accepted or something to that effect, like, I'll mm -hmm. come on. And I was like, oh, this is great because, you know, Sam was actually the first person to ever shout me out ever in my career. Yeah. Uh, praising me. And so I said, we oh. will. Oh, that hurts. Mm. Oh, that hurts. That's, that's, that's a sting right there. For those of you who don't know, Tim Pool um, pretended to be left-leaning back in the um, Occupy Wall Street days, like Vice and stuff. Uh, cover travel accommodation. We'll fly you out. Take care of everything. Let me know what, what day works for you. And he said something like the 13th. And I was like, this is fantastic. And then he DM'd me and was like, I'm not coming on your show. And I was yeah, like, yeah, it was because of COVID restrictions. I've seen the DMs. I told him he yeah, should sure. put it on. I've, I've told him he should put it on Twitter, but he's too good of a guy. I well, mean, maybe, maybe. Well, no, I well, published all the clarify. DMs. Yeah. Because then what he did was he then, I, I, it's, it's, it's mostly water under the bridge, but he made some comment about me backing out or something. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't like, care about any I, of this. I, I mentioned it. I was like, forward. are you kidding, dude? Like if Sam is unable to, oh my God. I mean, Sam's had way more subscribers than me for a long, long, the podcast version of things. I think we have like six on the YouTube side of things. We've actually gotten rid of all advertisements. So it, now it's just like whatever YouTube does, they do. Right. And then we started, our, we're starting our own company.
gain? Is it hoax? It's, it's not, not a manipulation. That is the kind of thing that's going to continue to happen as abortion restrictions <clears throat> happen throughout the oh, country. Oh, politi po whoa, politics. You're getting blindsided over here. Oh, my God. How the law is written? Do you have to prove it or does it have to be alleged? I mean, first well, of all, let me, let me rape, that, rape that is that one real quick so we can clarify the thing. On, sure. I never said it was a hoax that the girl was abused. Okay. That is incorrect. But, I mean, but honestly, this is a part and parcel of what you do is you put that kind of Bosh statement out there and then you put caveats in to protect yourself. Like um, but me that, saying that someone manipulating a story for political gain is a hoax? It's, it's not, not a manipulation. That is the kind of thing that's going to continue to happen as abortion restrictions <clears throat> happen throughout the country. It's it was a particularly egregious example used to shine light on broader restrictions on abortion in this country. I mean, it's an opinion, but you haven't retracted yes. it. It's false. Uh, I'm, it's not false. If there is a story and the story is exaggerated or manipulated in an effort to sway people into believing one political faction over the other, you are engaging in a hoax. I mean, isn't that what you guys do when you post like extreme videos of crime and things like we that? Don't do that. What, 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 what are you talking I about? I mean, you respond to videos that are taken completely out of context, isolated like instance, instances. I don't think you watch the show because that doesn't. I mean, I do a little bit. No, you don't. Because yeah, we don't I do. do that. Yeah. Yes, I, we do. <laughs> I, I, that, well, that's not true because we don't do that. In fact, one of the points we make specifically is. And, and you show subway crime to talk about all of these inflated yeah, so, crime so, numbers. And, crime and, is down in New York City in and, 2023 and, and, by every down, metric. Down compared to what? Down compared to 2021 and 2022. Don't change the subject. No, no, right? you, you I'm not. You accused us no, no, of videos we don't publish. If it's down in 20 compared to 2021 <laughs> and there was a giant year over year increase from 2020 to 2021, then you're talking about something it that's wasn't down. giant it was a small bump from the a 47 percent increase in homicide in the city of new york is not a small bump it was homicides are have been on a persistent asking for examples in the moment such an easy win yeah if if with um if you're talking with somebody who acts in bad faith even if the claim you're making about them is obvious you have to be ready for the immediate follow-up which will be oh yeah prove it um i think i think in in cases like that the because like they'll never let you take anything for granted i think in cases like that it's almost better to never make statements about them and only make statements about like yourself and stuff you're willing to do or willing to say because that you want to put them on the defense or you, you want to put them in a position where they have to challenge what you've said like they have to feel as though they're the ones who needs to prove the point so you can say stuff like we're the only ones who covered this story honestly as opposed to all these other publications that and then explain a thing that like tim pool also definitely did you know because then he has to accept that he did that and and therefore he can't later walk that back and go oh no well i just like rationally um presented that story this decline since the 70s, since the okay. 80s, since the 90s. There was a bump because of desperation in the pandemic, There's... and now it's back down in 2023. So, like... That's irrefutable. That's the NYPD's own data. That's on all major crimes. Murders, grand larcenies, so uh, robberies. A... <clears throat> this is an argument I'm often confronted with, and it's actually pretty terrible. So Why crime I... is down from the peak, for sure. Wait, is this actual justice warrior? Oh my god. He also kind of looks like the Chud Jack. Right. In some years in New York City, we had 2,100 murders. I think that's the largest ever in the history of the city of New York. However, my standard isn't it's not as bad as the worst time in the history of the city of New York. When I mm -hmm. see murders jump year over year from about 319 to 469. What do you mean year over year? The two years that I just year listed? over year, as in from 2020 to 2021. That would be a year yes, over year yes. increase. That's so it's a, like like colloquially, anyone uses year over year to literally refer to two years, right? Like, look, all these years, the murders have gone up. It's been two years. Yeah, years, plural, you know. Oh, yeah, uh-huh is a dramatic increase and it's the largest since i believe 2010 the greatest year-over-year -year increase of all time in the city of new york by the way but it's all but the it's way back to 2010 again. numbers it's down yeah, it's down this compared is... to the increase but it's not down compared to 2019. this was a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic where people's desperation and their mental health was severely harmed um people were out of work 
And that kind of desperation leads to more crime. That's the reality of how crime works. Poverty uh, leads to crime. This I would is, imagine. This is inaccurate. Me, why do you think uh, 25 people got shoved in front of trains last year? I don't know, dude. Well, I, that's a legitimate question. You're saying that. Uh, no, notice how he doesn't engage with what Emma just said and just completely pivots to another thing because um, right wingers will never accept crime as like a sociological phenomena because if they did, they would have to acknowledge that civic policy could change it. That the the ex the implicit suggestion that people like Tim Pool want to push is that it's a like race or degeneracy thing that people have become degenerate or that it's like black people or whatever. But on an explicit level, it's like framed through the personal responsibility thing where it's like, oh, well, people are just bad because they're bad. You know, you're saying poverty and desperation results in crime. I'm wondering why it is that you've had these uh, these homeless guys. They've been predominant. I think it's almost entirely these homeless guys shoving people in front of trains. Last year, it was 25. And so that that is. So that's a, a mental health problem. I mean, we have a we do have a mental health problem in this country. We have an issue okay. with not having socialized health care where people are unable to access health care, mental health care in particular, but also every other kind of health care. I mean, 28 million uninsured people in this country. That's a massive problem. I mean, what do you, yes, what, what is your stance on Medicare for all and healthcare? I'm, I'm for universal healthcare. Oh, you are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think we'd have to have some kind of like basic coverage for universal, uh, universal. He, he still says that he like, he, he, in practical terms, he's against everything, but he'll, he still LARPs is like, oh, well, yeah, I, I want this. He doesn't, of course, but like he'll pretend. Standard meaning like if you're having an episode, this is particularly where we bring you when we help you. If you're sure. uh, broken bones, flu, things that it's like relatively simple and knowledge based. The, the challenge with it is that we got limited space, we got limited doctors, but, you know, I don't think we can function as a society if we have people just dying in the streets like we do with drug abuse and, you know. Well, then we should, you should promote housing first policies on your program. Like in Houston, <clears throat> what they did, there was a pilot program under Obama. It was a HUD grant and they reduced homelessness by 63 percent over 10 years because they guaranteed housing. Do you think that? the 25 examples that you cite last year, and there's like over 2 million subway riders a day. So mm. you cherry picking that, I feel like is- It's not cherry picking, it's, we're, we're, you asked, or you mentioned that desperation leads to crime. Yeah. So I'm wondering why it is specifically that we saw this increase. Is, I, is, is it like someone's desperate, but why murder somebody, you know what I mean? Well, I mean, they're experiencing a mental health episode. They, we do not have adequate health care in this country, mental health care. I hear a lot of- Desperation and adversity tend to increase uh, antisocial behavior in people. Uh, again, he's he's not engaging because he wants it to be like an innate thing. Well, evil people are evil because they're evil, which is why like we're focusing on 25 people being pushed in a subway and not like thousands and thousands and thousands of other measurable socioeconomic problems or crimes that are much easier to track or explain. Talk. Like, hey, like, like explain to me why these random people who you don't know anything about did a thing. I don't know. Why do you? I don't know. What? often after ma mass shootings, that mental health is the most important thing in this country. Mm. Then we should have socialized health care so everyone can have access to it. Um, and that would that paired with a housing first policy where cities don't become urban centers for just bridge and tunnelers who want to come in and see a show or for restaurant associations where places where people can actually live and there's guaranteed housing for people. If we were able to do that, we would be able to drastically reduce the crime that you guys are talking about. So when you're talking about poverty leading to crime, like what is that based on? Because after prohibition Numbers. was repealed existing data. during the Great Depression, crime fell during the Great Recession. People with your line of thinking thought we would see a crime spike nationwide. It didn't happen. You could actually look at the crime wave if you wanted to pull it up. That didn't occur. And that was the largest recession in the history of this country since the Great Depression. So what we've seen throughout American history. Remember, the real answer is that income inequality increases crime. It's not people being poor and it's not people being rich. It's poor people and rich people being next to each other. It's inequality. 
that causes crime because inequality leads to divisions. It leads to people fostering um, negative sentiment, hatred, antipathy, uh, poor judgment, ill thought. Um, when people are different from you, it's easier to blame them for problems you're experiencing. And sometimes you're right to when it comes to like blaming the rich for a lot of social problems. Um, rich people are also like targets for theft when you're poor. If you're poor, stealing from other poor people is often less like worthwhile because they're because they're poor. Um, yeah, and this is backed up in data. It's pretty straightforward. Is poverty not leading to crime? What we actually see is the opposite, that crime drives areas into poverty. We look at store closures across the country due to the fact that we have shoplifting. That leads to decaying in the neighborhoods. When people <laughs> abandon the neighborhoods and you see this blight, that has a psychological impact on people and that drives people to commit these crimes. I mean, you're working backwards from the- No, you're massive... actually working backwards. Wait, 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 but no, no, poverty clearly, this is a very simple concept, leads to something like shoplifting. Why would someone shoplift based on the personal pathology? They're shoplifting because they're desperate. Not necessarily. Like, so we have a lot yeah. of lax shoplifting laws in California, for example. So and what they find is we have a lot of organized retail theft because there's no consequences for it. That's profit. For, for I mean, instance, not... there are people who are trying to make money well, so, and so... they're desperate. And we have we have untold levels of income inequality in this country. Well, since is it the income inequality or poverty? Since the late 70s, 900%. That's the increase in CEO pay versus 12% yeah. for the working class in this country. That's you don't think that that leads to levels of desperation? So wait, wait, is income inequality the cause or is poverty the cause? Because those are two different things. I mean, they go hand in hand. They really don't. Yes, they do. What? They really don't? There's, there's no correlation whatsoever between income inequality and poverty, actually. Um, many, there are many such cases of income inequality skyrocketing in a fashion which has a stark division between the ultra-wealthy and people who are simply upper-middle class. That's a real thing that definitely happens in the real world. AJW being a dipshit, what else is new? Yeah, well, he's been pretty stupid, like, in every engagement I've ever had with him, so it's not surprising. Is he is he uh, hired by Tim now? Is, is, is he work for the show? One of the most shoplifted I, um, items from Walmart is baby food. Yeah, no, don't worry. Uh, I'm sure that they're just uh, doing it for the TikTok clout. This is another one of those, like, visible exemptions things where, like, overwhelmingly people shoplift because they're desperate and need stuff. But then, like, you'll get a couple high-profile cases of TikTokers who shoplift a bunch of makeup because it's, they want to brag about it. And then uh, that gets the headlines. So it's like, oh, shoplifters are just doing it for clout. Like, yeah, all the baby food they're stealing for clout. Yeah. Because all not the wealth all. is going towards the CEOs and to the billionaires in this country. But it's not and a zero-sum economy. But also, if income inequality is the driver of crime, then how come we saw a giant crime decline after the mid-90s when income inequality was going up? In fact, we saw this happen all the way to 2019. Can you repeat that? We had a giant crime decline from around 1995, 1996 nationwide from all the way to 2019 while income inequality was rising during that period of time. Right. So why would that occur if income inequality is driving crime? I mean, I, I'm I'm not exactly sure you're the expert, but I do know that you are saying that there was an increase in crime in 2021 and 2022, well, and it doesn't matter now that it's going back this. down to 2023 levels. This um, is just New York I can't City. See this. Yeah, I just pulled up New York City. Look at that! Right, exactly. So in the at, at the... uh, the West has fallen. I'm glad they put up the graph because it really, really is a pretty stark reminder of the stakes that we're talking about here. In at the start of 1990. Crime was at its highest and it dropped. Murders, not rather, crime. This is murders, not just crime. Rather massively yes. into uh, just before 2000, where it continued to decline. And then from 2019 into 2020, we see a huge, a huge increase. That's pre-pandemic. 
So there's a couple interesting things to point out there. No, to be clear, that's not that's not pre-pandemic. That's a year-over-year increase. So it would be in the year 2020, to be clear. So 2019 would be the low number. The the increase actually the the draw is before 2020. Meaning that could that could be 2018 to 19. Then if that's the point you're making. No, no, it's uh, I've I've seen these numbers. I'm telling you, you're reading this chart wrong because in New York City, do they have the raw number of homicides on the side? If you track it, you have around because this is just just murders right here. You have about 300, and then it jumps to about 469. I mean, crime dropped everywhere throughout the country since lead gasoline was outlawed there is a massive connection lead paint lead gasoline predominantly affecting poor and lower income people um which probably did contribute to some of the increase in volatility in that well that that, that, i I completely agree i read that report it was fascinating that when we started taking lead out of the atmosphere crime started to drop but that would also make the argument that it's not poverty driving crime it was like chemical imbalance or something yeah but poor people were the ones getting exposed to those chemicals also eh, oh man so the I think um I I think like the the problem here, especially since they have free license to jump between any like half remembered anecdote, um having like an affirmative study to go to, like here is the study indicating there is a relationship between inequality and crime or whatever. Or like asking, well, what do you think causes crime? I, I don't know, like evil ghosts in your brain? I, it's both it's yeah. absolutely both well i think it would, it, it, I think real, it would real, play a role like the lead would play a role because it was in gasoline so it was in right, the air, air and yeah so it's impacting mean, no, everyone it's, it depresses a uh, uh, brain function and things like that true yeah. but i think public policy has a huge impact as well because again we saw a dramatic crime this crime wave started in the 1960s right and this is when we started embracing this idea that poverty was the root cause of crime that this was more the realm of the social workers all things that sound really familiar to today and from 1960 all the way to 1979 the incarceration rate, even though in raw numbers it was rising, was dropping per capita. So we saw this crime increase, and you would, what you would end up getting in 1979 for murder, on average, was something like five years. For rape, it was something like 3.4 years. And obviously, like this created a problem because we just weren't prosecuting people. This is why we ended up going with a mass incarceration solution, which, by the way, did work. And all these other policies <laughs> to get tough on crime. You laugh, but you're definitely no. I mean, wrong. mass incarceration. We incarcerate more people than any other country. We have the highest rate of violent crime for any modern Western country. I mean, I I don't have that statistic in front of me, but we still have ma- So how does that connect to the mass incarceration point? If it worked, this is the exact talking point that I had with AJW. That clip of mine that went viral on TikTok was me explaining how over policing leads to an increase in the long term of crime. I remember it's the same exact talking point. They're not being over policed because of racial bias. There's more violent crime in those wait, areas. You, wait, wait, you have a background in criminal justice and you don't understand the problem with over policing black communities? I have a background in criminal justice and I understand that they target resources to areas with violent Yeah, okay, crime. so yeah, so let's go over and this. Okay, because something... I also have a background in criminal justice. Here's a problem, all right? Let's say you have two neighborhoods, white and black, and the black one's a little bit poor because of long-term systemic slavery, Jim Crow, blah, blah. With that being the case, poorer neighborhoods tend to commit more crime. So the police chief says, okay, we're going to direct more resources towards the poor, the black neighborhood. Then another five years roll around, another crime study is done on both neighborhoods. It turns out that in spite of the fact that police are overrepresented in the black community, the black community is now committing more crimes, not less crimes than before. The reason for that is because now police are there to catch more crimes. But what that means is more of them are locked up and it means the community continues its cycle of impoverishment. The over-policing of communities is what contributes to their disproportionate crime committing, not the other way around then what does the violent crime rate have to do with it? You just want to warehouse more people? 
No, I didn't say uh, for, uh, when I say it worked, we had an ex we started expanding the prison population seriously in the 1980s to the 1990s. If you go to the Brennan Center for Criminal Justice, which is a left wing organization, they say post the year 2000, mass incarceration lost its effectiveness. But most of the mass incarceration was pre the year 2000. So obviously it has some impact and it cool. ranges. Low estimates are about 6% on the crime rate, which is very low, but the high estimates are about 30%. And the reason it worked is because the philosophy behind mass incarceration is pretty simple. What you're trying to do is incapacitate criminals because the same criminals are often reoffending. You brought up shoplifting earlier. You can actually pull up an article to find out that the same 300 people in New York City represent a third of the shoplifting arrests total for a single year. Probably because this they're is incredibly because they're impoverished offenders. and they need to find a way to actually sustain their livelihoods in this country that, we don't I mean, have that's, that, but that's that's put, that's put a very good way that's that's, yeah. that's, that's phrased very well to no me. that's that's whoa, whoa hold on that makes it sound like there's some kind of broader social issue when people are constantly getting arrested for shoplifting food or whatever that the way you phrased it made it seem as though there's something to think about here other than just criminals are evil so let's think about this a different way maintain their livelihoods well so, no i mean I, no their life is a better way to maintain sure sure it. but like I, I guess my point is some of them certainly are desperate but yeah. when you see videos of a guy like shoveling stuff into a garbage bag that's not desperation but again this is what you do why to would him. That, wait why would that not be this wait why would that not be desperation also like furthermore the most desperate people are the ones who are more likely to get caught shoplifting probably right like the kind of people whose lives are in tatters are probably the ones with the least to lose and are therefore the ones who would be the less, I don't know, like, I feel like to be the ones who are the least savvy about shoplifting. Because like you you go in there, because if, if a person, if like a, like a Beverly Hills trust fund kid is shoplifting for TikTok clout, they're not going to go in there with a garbage bag and start shoveling like cough medicine into it and run out because that'd be really dumb. They're going to contrive some over elaborate like purse sweater you know shenaniganry to get out of there like it, they're, they're gonna put thought into it um yeah the the idea it's just it's just so telling that tim cannot fathom of shoplifting as something that might be caused by structural inequality and you return to anecdotal examples we're when i'm trying people. to talk about we're talking about just the 300 people I, I, and i am talking which is about, the anecdotal evidence what what 300 people he said the same 300 people the ones committing the crime i said right, a third these, of the shoplifting these specific in New York individuals are doing it for profit okay so we should question. have a system of mass incarceration because there are 300 I didn't say that. because I, i'm talking to you now there are 300 repeat offenders no no we should incapacitate re repeat offenders so they stop offending Got so it. if so you're arrested, all about the fact that you're, you're not in favor of bail reform because we, in in new york state which is now currently being rolled back in uh we decided that we weren't going to require cash bail for nonviolent felonies and for misdemeanors and you think that that's a good policy to not require cash bail yeah uh no i think that we're rolling it back i think i think, think, I think look if if you're concerned about people not being able to get out of jail because of their financial means then i can understand reducing or even eliminating the cash bail system because i understand if you have a lot of money even right. though you really only have to throw down 10 percent for bail in most cases unless it's a you know like a set figure for the bond then i get that argument but what you need and the state of new york desperately needs this is some kind of threat assessment like you should be able to hold somebody if they present themselves as a danger or repeat offender regardless of bail without bail so that they don't continue to reoffend. okay so a a pre conviction is he, is he describing the concept of jail you're just he's describing someone being held without bail that we have that when you're arrested you go to jail if you don't post bail or if you're not allowed bail you what he's describing the concept of going to jail for a pre-crime like some minority report shit like before you've even done anything no no i think he's just talking about like 
we should like beyond bail, we should have a system for holding people without bail. Here, I'll listen again. Be able to hold somebody if they present themselves as a danger or a repeat offender, regardless of bail, without bail, so that they don't continue to reoffend. Okay, but I think he's talking about if they've committed a crime over and over. Do you know what happens when people are held in Rikers, for example, in a pre-detention center? How many deaths have happened there before they're even committed of a, or convicted of a crime? Look, there, again, that's an issue for how the jailing system works in New York City. And I am in favor of building out the jail capacity. Because You're talking about cash bail, though. That is exactly that is exactly yes. the point that we're discussing here. Yeah. Right. So you're in favor of people being held before they're convicted of a crime yes. in Rikers. If, even though if there they are show propensity to reoffend, 100%. What is a propensity to reoffend? Um, a history, like being arrested over and over again, prior convictions, yes. So you think that they should be held in a prison that has been... It's a jail, but yes. Uh, yeah, or jail, excuse me. A jail that has been proven to be one of the worst conditions in the country. Well, it doesn't have to be Suicides, specifically Rikers Island. Dozens of deaths just this year. Even if they haven't been committed of a crime, convicted of convicted a crime. Convicted of a crime. Oh uh, yeah, for didn't sure. they? Didn't they recently have it so they're not even going to like report deaths at Rikers or something like that? Uh, Rikers no longer report because so many people die there. Am I thinking of uh, a different thing? Nope, I'm right. New York City Department of Correction no longer report Rikers Island inmate deaths to public. So if you die in like the 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 uh, island fortress, um, you just get memory hold and it doesn't even get released. And so many people die there because all of the um, all of the uh, uh, jail guards there are are psychotic rapists and, and weirdos and drug peddlers, um, and they won't protect you if the uh, prisoners shank you to death or the jail inmates. Sure, but I think, but I th that's very anti-constitutional and anti. How is it anti-constitutional? Um, the Fourth Amendment it violates the Fourth Protects Amendment. Protects you from illegal search and seizures. Well, I mean, you are the, the right to a speedy fifth? trial. People are held. I do I'm think, sorry, Fifth Amendment. Yes, I do think we should I, have I, reform I, I, yeah, on I'm the good. on the speedy trial side. But the idea that it's unconstitutional to hold somebody pre-trial is ridiculous. Our law is based on English common six. law. Six, damn. Uh, six, yeah, there. We're all bad. Our law is yeah. based on English common law, and the reason we have jails is that you would actually be held in a dungeon awaiting trial. So it's like built into the system. Bail is like a courtesy. It's actually a progressive reform in response to that, where you lay down some kind of capital in place of yourself. How so much idea, money do you want to spend on jails in New York City? As much as it takes. So just warehousing people what? before they're convicted of anything. Well, it, again, it's not warehousing everybody, but if you have a propensity to reoffend, I think judges should be able to have judgment. It's kind of in the name and assess these people and hold them. So you just want to give it to the judgment of the judges, and it doesn't. Yes, I would like the judges to have judgment. Yes. Okay, but this guy's a Nazi. They're all Nazis. Yeah. Um. No, it's it, yeah, it's it's um the the again like this is why because you get honed in on these like hyper distinctive because right now we're talking about this in reference to like a hypothetical group of three hundred repeat offending shoplifters and it's like if you look in reality right like if you look at reality, we already spend billions and billions and billions and billions on our police and our prisons, and we have worse outcomes than like every other country. Now, the reason people like Tim Pool and the conservatives who follow him believe this is because of black people. Um, like, that's the implication. Why do we have to spend so much money on our police and prisons? Why do we have so many people in prison but still have so much crime? It's because of like racial minorities. That's always the answer they gesture to. Um, you know, uh, in, in terms of like actual sociological causes, it might be because this country sucks. Um, and all these problems kind of like reify and um, re-exacerbate the uh, severity of themselves to begin with if you just approach them like nails to be hammered.
there should be guardrails in place to prevent judges from i mean judges are human beings they can be unjust as well i don't really put well, them you on can, the pedestal you can, obvi you obviously i'm not in favor of like a million dollar bond for somebody who's arrested for shoplifting even if they're arrested 27 times so yeah you can have guardrails from the legislature but they can't assess dangerousness right now in the state of new york they assess it in ways the reason we put this law into place which is now being rolled back that were deemed inherently racist they How deem so? that th th it was uh disproportionately black and brown people who are okay but how is that racist though because at their discretion, it was put into, it was implemented in a racist way. It's but the same way the that crime statistics, they're well, there you go. So it's the exact same talk that I had with him, man. So, so black you're, so this is what the reality is for you: is you believe that black and Hispanic people inherently are committing. When did I say inherently? Crimes. I mean, th this if is... you pull up like NYPD crime data, for instance, since you brought up stop and frisk, you can look at the shootings, like the shooting suspects in any given year. And if you find me a year where ninety-two percent or greater is not black or Hispanic in terms of the shooting suspects, then, then I mean, I would be shocked. Why are we looking at suspects in that data? Why, why not convictions? I wonder, I wonder if there's any kind of implicit racial bias behind suspected, uh, 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 you know, uh, shooting perpetuators by race. Because I've looked at it oh, for the, the past suspects. 20 years. So yeah, that's suspects. The cops looked at it for the past 20 years. I've spent 20 years fastidiously analyzing race science and racial criminology, and I have come to strong conclusions. Um, if anyone wants to go back, uh, the debate that I had with him, I think, was pretty productive in the sense that I got to talk a lot and I bowled over all his talking points because he's an idiot, um, which is the best kind of productivity. So no, you no, it's, you get a report, right? And you get a description of the suspect. And they are 92% every single year or above black or Hispanic. Can I, can I tell you guys a very famous New York story? There was a black cop and uh, he and went to Central Park and started giving out tickets to white couples having picnics and drinking wine. And he said public alcohol consumption is a crime in the city. And he started giving these uppity yuppies tickets. Right. He got in serious trouble. The reason he did it was because the cops would go into the black neighborhoods and give people drinking 40s on their stoops tickets. And he said, how can, the, how can these people at their own homes, on their own porches, get a ticket for drinking booze? Then when I go to Central Park and say, we're going to apply the same standard, okay. I get in trouble for it. So New York's got serious problems. Even, even uh, Bloomberg, like that guy's awful. He made a, he made a bunch of, like, I, I'm, I'm but, not going to say but that. The reason okay, we're, okay, we're actually getting the rare um, uh, uh, contrarian uh, Tim Pool acknowledges the existence of racism point. I just want to cut you off because you mentioned Bloomberg and I want to respond to what you said. Under Bloomberg, 90% of the stop and frisks that were done were, by the way, they didn't find anything, but 90% targeted black and brown people. So it's, you're taking- So the, the highest taking, number, no, no, by no, the way, no, no, is 86%, no, no. You're taking, not 90%, you're taking but go ahead. The data, you're taking the data and using what the cops did where they over-police in certain areas and then pretending like there's an over-representation inherently, criminally, in those kinds of- Dude, this is literally the exact convo I had with him. I was like, you can't just, this is like those studies where, where weed is used basically the same amount by black and white um, youth, but black youth are 400% more likely to get picked up by the police for it. And, and he was like, oh, uh, well, it was, it's like, because they over-police those neighborhoods. And it's like the police over-police those neighborhoods because there's more crime there. And there's more crime there because they over-police those neighborhoods. Most crimes committed don't get caught. Most jaywalking, most loitering, most weed smoke doesn't get caught, you know? Most crimes are innocuous and fade into nothing, hurting no one, considering the fact that a lot of crimes, like, say, for example, smoking weed, like, really don't hurt people. Or in the case of something like shoplifting, there's this, like, abstract corporate harm that is nothing compared to the immediate harm of, like, a person being 
arrested for it, you know? Um, most crimes don't get caught. But if you over-police an area, you'll find more crimes, and then you use those uh, additional findings to justify continued police presence in the area, thus exacerbating the issue, all the while depriving that community of stability and of wealth because you keep arresting people at massively disproportionate rates compared to the amount that people commit those crimes. But the numbers show that you're responding to like a, a significant increase in crime in the area because that's all you're looking for. Literally, it would be like going to a river and you see an area with a bunch of ducks and you're staring at ducks. People are like, hey, you know, there might be more ducks down the river. And you're like, no, I have, I'm, I, from what I've seen, there are only ducks right here and I like these ducks. So I'm going to stare at these ducks. Like, it, it's, it's nonsensical. Relations and it's, it's okay. a racist argument. So you're wrong in a bunch of different ways. So let uh -huh. me just like run through them. So first and foremost, the highest year was 86%. And that was a year with a dramatic increase in stops. And if you ask me if I'm in favor of just expanding stop and frisk, which is different from Giuliani's stop question and frisk, although, you know, you might not be interested in that specific difference to the levels that Bloomberg did, I would say it's unnecessary. It aggravates people, it creates a whole bunch of problems. To be clear, this literally like his only thing is um, uh, race, science and criminology. That's it. The only thing this guy talks about or cares about or quote unquote studies is reasons why it's okay for black people to get arrested more. That's actually his entire thing. I, I mean, I guess it's like really fitting then that he looks like the Chud Jack because this is, um, because this is his whole like modus operandi. I mean, I don't know. That being said, they're not over-targeted because, again, there is no year during the entire 10-year of Bloomberg where the shooting suspects were suspects. any less than 92%. So what the NYPD does, because it's the most data-driven police force in the entire world, is they map what? crime through a system called Comstat. When there's a lot of shootings in a specific area, they send the police to those areas. The stops, questions, and frisks all relate to where the shootings are, and it just so happens to be those areas are black or Hispanic. Right, but, and but, by the but do you get accosted on the street by cops regularly in New York City? It happened to me when I was younger, yes, but like not Okay, now. but do you understand but, but how But to your point about hit rate, how... because you brought it up, hit rate was not the goal of stop, question, and frisk. Like, this is one of the things where you're yeah. like, oh, well, this program didn't work because my standard that I look for arbitrarily shows that it was ineffective. That's like saying a plane doesn't work because it's not a good submarine. No, it's like, not that arbitrary. doesn't make any 90 sense. 90% of the stop and frisk came up with nothing. True, but the point was to so, deter say, the say carrying of doing, firearms. Say, have you done well, illegal drugs but, in your life? Uh, maybe. I just, I just I have. I have. <laughs> No, but that's exactly the point. I could have been stopped and frisked and I could have gone to prison or I could have been held if I had a little bit less money in Rikers indefinitely until my trial came because a cop just decided, hey, I'm going to stop and frisk you, but they wouldn't do that to me because I'm a white woman. All right, that's nice. Well, but me, anyway, it's just, about shooting. That, that's that's nice. But let's like continue with my my race science. You and the point of the program, no, and this is stated GMs. quite literally, to deter people from carrying illegal firearms. And, and, and absolutely and I'm gonna, not. It 100 percent Are you in favor of gun control? Um, mm. <laughs> See again, this is what I mean. He only cares about arresting black people. He doesn't actually care about like the laws being enforced. If if, if he he you know he might want like black people to be able to, or like people broadly to be able to carry firearms however they want walking around. But if it's an excuse you can use to arrest black people. That's what he's about. That's all he cares about. It's so transparent. Uh, have you used illegal drugs? Oh, maybe. Well, do you even care about gun control? Yeah. Uh, but do you, but like if black people do either of those things, like they should totally be thrown to Rikers, right? Like, yeah, yeah.
This is what I'm, I'm not, saying. Okay. I'm, a, I'm okay, a New Yorker, so, so I'm not like it, a big gun no, no, guy, but no, 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 this is my point. We've got target guns, and that's why yeah, you definitely got Emma's not going to agree with me. The idea that the police can decide to arbitrarily stop people because they might be carrying a firearm violates the Second and Fourth Amendments. Well, again, stop and frisk is completely unconstitutional. Well, that's why Fourth Amendment was in my mind. Well, again, it's it's it, you're supposed to stop, question, and frisk, and usually no, no. it's based on reasonable suspicion. And they're supposed what, to. I'm bearing arms. Oh shit! Yeah, cops totally exercise reasonable discretion with stop and frisk. Yeah, that's definitely how that worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, cops famously known for not inventing um, uh, a reasonable suspicion based on anything that the courts will back them up on. You know, I smelled weed. Did they? Well, it, it's not provable either way. So, yeah. Notice how he's not saying the standard should be probable cause. No, he's not. Again, he goes with reasonable suspicion rather than probable cause. And even then, the idea that reasonable suspicion has ever been a threshold that stops police officers from doing whatever they want is is just ludicrous, you know. Um, he wants a police state for black and brown people. Constitution. They're supposed to follow the Terry standard. I, they, 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 this idea that because a particular group of people may be carrying guns, we're going to go start stopping a whole bunch of them. I'm like, the Constitution protects our right to keep and bear arms in the first place. So now you're violating, you're, using the sec you're, you're ignoring the Second Amendment and using that as, as uh, and, and by ignoring it, now you're violating the Fourth Amendment. I mean, this is it's absolutely well, this, this is why I'm actually critical of Bloomberg expansion of the program, because the way it used to work is that if you had a shooting suspect, you would have a description, you'd send cops to the area and they would stop people with that description, ask them questions. And if there was reasonable suspicion, they would conduct a search. Yeah, the that's definitely how that worked. It wasn't just somebody saying it was a black male and then they would just stop and search every black black male they found who was walking on their own or with a group of young black men as their friends they would definitely do like this polite conversation and then arrive at reasonable suspicion following what what reasonable suspicion do they think they were getting from these guys that was permitting all these stop and frisk the like millions of stop and frisk they did like they'd ask hey, hey young man you do any shootings lately and like the, the black guy would be like uh 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 and that would be like the threshold where cops would be like oh okay well now i'm gonna search you you know Come on. This is why under Giuliani, the maximum amount of stops in a year in, you know, New York City of 8.5 million people was 90,000 people. And under Bloomberg, it was something like 700,000, maybe 800,000 people. Oh. So he he uh, dramatically expanded the program to the point where I do think it was constitutionally violative. So you are kind of to the right of Donald Trump on this, who has been releasing nonviolent offenders. Per, or yeah, oh no, Donald Trump's first step act is absolutely terrible. It sets up a bunch of incentives. Well, I mean, that, you're that further right than I'd imagine a ton of this audience is. I mean, that, that's, that's, fine. that's, that's like, I'm not here that's to, extremist. I'm not here to win over the audience. Well, I will win over the audience because I'm correct. But no, yes, is mostly moderate. Uh, well, yeah, but Donald, I, I Donald Trump's first that. step act had a lot of language about going soft on youthful offenders. And that's one of the reasons why a huge portion of the increase in homicide that we're seeing is among young men and specifically among young black men in this country. I I want to uh, bring it wasn't even talking about race right there, but he had to bring it up. See his attention to this uh, chart because there's a lot that it shows. I know it's just murders, right? But we're talking about you mentioned something about the 60s. For some reason, in 1962 to 64, we start seeing it, it, from 1962 onward a ridiculous spike in the uh, murder rate offenses per 100,000 population. I don't know exactly why. We can see around 1990, it starts to decline rapidly. There's a couple interesting points there. Uh, this is U.S. murder rate. So New York City's broken window policing has nothing to do with it. This is the entirety of the country. Mm -hmm. This could be one of two things. We uh, when, when the, the lighted gasoline, that was that, what, 80s, right? We I believe got, so, yeah. We were getting rid of and it. And the mm -hmm. last truck, I think for trucks, it was the 90s. But this also coincides with one of the, if not the largest economic expansion, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that now because who knows how, how you define it with, with the pandemic and all that stuff. But we had a, a massive uh, uh, economic boom in the 90s. 
So this would interestingly correlate with the idea that as people started to get more things, like they started to, their lives started to improve, crime, murder rates started to drop dramatically. Yeah, and, and I would say that there was, that was a temporary kind of sugar high based on neoliberal policies of Reagan and uh, Clinton, where there was a lot of money that was um, released back into the public because of massive tax cuts. I mean, we can talk about confiscatory taxation if you'd like. And Also, just to be clear, because um, uh, I, I took criminology classes and this was something that was talked about quite often. The exact reason for the drop in the crime rate through the early 90s and onward is a subject of massive debate. There are strong pieces of evidence towards some things, but it's like a ton of things all coming together. Um, there are like a wide range of factors that had varying levels of influence, and it's difficult to know to what extent they actually did and, and, and whether or not some stuff is being overinflated. I am willing to admit that broken windows policing, the S the, the skyrocketing budgets of police departments and the skyrocketing number of police people we incarcerate, that probably did bring the crime rate down a bit because a lot of crimes are committed in like ultra poor areas by a small group of people, either by gang members or people who are like super desperate or people who are just repeat criminals. And a benefit of aggressive policing can be that these like super repeat offenders are more likely to get... um. Uh, 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 to get, like, uh, taken. This was like the um, racist super predator thing that Hillary Clinton was on about, right? Of course, the problem is, is that, like, any increase in policing and jailing that is meant to target, like, a specific, uh, uh, like, sub-demographic of people is then going to go on to, like, in this case, you know, massively escalate the number of people that we arrest, right? It's, it's like, there was stuff regarding the drug war, the change in the use of, like, crack cocaine. There's so much went into these changes, you know what I mean? Overall, in terms of, like, crime, the country's very safe compared to how it used to be. Um, however, I think that the positive influence of broken windows policing was heavily overstated. I think it had some positive influence, but with a lot of associated negatives. And I think it's very possible for us to go back and look through it and go, like, okay, we can do better than this. And there are tons of reforms that are like common sense shit that criminologists have been screaming about for decades that police won't do because police want to masturbate while remembering the times that they brutalized and um, and tortured the uh, people of color that they had um, uh, complete unrestricted control over. Top marginal tax rate, you know, the top marginal tax rate in 1961. It's funny that you brought up that 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 figure in 1960. It's 91% compared to 37% so now. Um, but th like it went down it, in the 60s. Or? Reagan cut a bunch of taxes during that time period, and a lot of people got an well, influx in cash. Crime and then did drop. It, <laughs> sorry, crime did drop. Well, right, but that was temporary. That was temporary, right. and then the income inequality kind of set in, and the rich got richer and the poor got poorer. And that's mostly I, inter what I'm I, interested in talking about on my program. Let me uh, uh, show you guys something, which will add some context to the current crime spike. So you see right here, this uh, drop off after about, it looks like about 2007, there's a major drop off in murder. And then it spikes in 2014. The problem with a chart like this is that it doesn't account for technology. The reason the murder rate declined in 2007 was cell phones. So when cell phones became ubiquitous, the- ah? He's actually making a good argument right here. That's another cited, um, no, no, that's not, that's not made up. Uh, now that everyone has the ability to call the police instantly with no delay, no matter where they are at any point in time, uh, committing crimes is a lot harder than it used to be. I mean, keep in mind that even if you were like committing a crime in a fairly public area during the middle of the daytime, if you committed a crime and then bolted, somebody had to get to a landline to call into the police. Um, it, ca it takes money to use a public telephone so they would have to use like a business landline that can take a while 
Um, nowadays, of course, you're literally two seconds from hitting the button on your phone, uh, which means that it's just a lot harder to get away with it. Yeah, and, and now everyone has camera phones, which is like, well, f like, how many times this week alone have you seen a viral video on the internet of somebody committing a crime? Uh, assaulting somebody, stealing something, just their face, everything about them right there in HD video that could be instantly uploaded and broadcast to the entire internet in a more effective fashion than any FBI's top most wanted uh, list from yesteryear. Like, yeah, um, these are other factors that contribute to it. The ability to call emergency services became instantaneous. So when people were victims of violent crime, you had emergency service notified immediately. And so this resulted in a drop in the murder rate, but not in a, drop, a drop in violent crimes, not a direct correlation, meaning crime had been going down, but the murder rate dropped more than violent crime in general because people weren't dying. They were being stabbed, they were being robbed, they were being shot, and they were living. That's not murder, so it wasn't counted as murder. Well, we, we have, it, we, there is a chart, by the way, that you can look at because that actually pairs recessions with this murder chart. And again, the correlation is not really there. And as far as New York, you say that it had nothing to do with broken windows policing. This that, is actually- no, no, That map specifically was the US. So yeah, no, no, I know, but that's, you said it had nothing to do with- I wish Emma would ask him like, okay, what do you think crime's all about then? So he could just stare directly at her and go, Oh, it's the blacks. Because there's no, or he would, because he's a coward. He'd probably say, like, "Well, we don't know. Maybe it's due to the ethnic demographic change of, you know, or something like that." Oh, the funny thing is, if you're ever talking to a guy like this, who's one of these, like, you know, sociology isn't real. Everything is race. A good question to ask would be, "Well, then, why did the crime rate for black people skyrocket um, uh, from the nineteen like seventies uh, uh, and onwards?" Like, why, like, black people have been in America as long as white people have, basically. You know, why was that? Like, and then he would have to say, like, a black cultural thing, right? Because, like, by, when he says black culture, he means black people. But, like, he would say black culture. And then you say, like, okay, so if it's a black cultural thing, like, culture is shaped by social influences. Though, don't you think, then, that it would be a good idea? Like, what social changes can we make to encourage, like, good cultural development? And then you get back on the sociology track, because he can't dog whistle the race thing anymore without backpedaling off the culture thing windows policing but that assumes that there isn't a greater decrease in crime in new york than nationwide which is not the case there was a greater decrease in the city of new york like chicago had a decline too but chicago's homicide rate which is almost on par with the city of new york is six times higher per capita than the city of new york and in terms of raw numbers it's double even though they're at a third of the population which is the same thing that i just oh. said with different math so new york became the safest big city and our crime rate actually declined and in fact freakonomics actually attributes this to the legalization of abortion which happened in the city of new york pre um roe versus wade it was one of the six states that had it legal electively so this is like a known thing that people have talked about and speculated on what the result is now also for the environmental Wait, can point, i just ask that, you a question about that sure. what does the connection to a, what is that's what freakonomics says that the legalization of abortion and they compare it to um uh, Ceausescu, whatever country he was the dictator of they say that that correlates with crime because they say all these unwanted children end up being born and then they end up committing Well, that crime. is certainly a claim. So that's how that works together then. You're saying that abortion should be illegal uh, for that reason? No, no, no. It would be legal abortion leads to less unwanted children being born. And again, you're so smiling, you but I... I don't know about the specific numbers here, but I think that's a very strong argument. Un unplanned children lead to family financial devastation. Uh, and uh, very poor families are less likely to be able to provide the uh, social and educational and um, uh, vocational opportunities to their children that would keep them out of crime, right? Like poor neighborhoods tend to rely on gangs for financial circulation. So you, you could argue then responsible family planning is essential for like keeping your household in order. And that's true. Uh, that That's completely true. Um,
obviously abortions are still like the uh, like last hurdle extreme when it comes to family planning ideally the best you could do would be like um sexual education uh which is again like republicans are super anti-sex education and the states that do like basically abstinence only education have much higher rates of teen pregnancy um but you know how it is abortion? I, I mean well i'm actually pro-choice but uh, not okay. for this reason, but you're smiling. But the thing is, this is what was proposed in Freakonomics. I actually disagree with their analysis. They leave a lot of things out. But so again, saying, my, I use that as an example to show saying, that the New York decline did start before the national you're, you're just, I'm, I'm almost positive that that study has been called into question. It is. It is. Just, just to clarify, you're yeah. saying more abortions meant lower crime? Is that what you're That's saying? That's what Freakonomics asserted. It's in their I, I don't movie, know the study, so original. I can't speak to it specifically. I think that makes sense. If you've got, uh, if you've got two parents, if you've got one parent, they got a baby, that baby's getting food. You know, like you, you could have no job, you could be homeless. Someone's going to find. That well, you know what? I would love to, to decrease desperation in terms of uh, families in this country. I'm not sure if you've talked about it a ton on your program, Tim, but uh, we should have made the child tax credit permanent that we expanded in the 2020 Based. American Rescue Act. We Do, cut, can you explain we, what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So there was a, a tax credit that used, that was in place, but during the pandemic, it was expanded to be a monthly payment. It also the uh, amount was increased. So it was up to thirty six hundred a month for six and under three thousand for six to seventeen. And then uh, cut child it, it poverty in half. Was cut poor children in half who had, who had too little income to qualify previously. We cut child poverty by nearly in half instantly. Cut and all the reason children. that we don't have it is because the entire Republican Party and Joe Manchin and cinema essentially nixed it. But yeah. this is the kind of stuff that's possible in this country to make people less desperate. If you want less crime, make society a broader, uh, more beneficial place for people with a bigger safety net so people don't have to turn to desperation. Well, I mean, real, real quick, this is the crazy thing. So I, I, I think the only people who disagree with that are establishment Republicans, like the prominent Republican sure. party members. I, but I, you, I, you should talk about it more on we your do. show. I mean, I, I think now that, this, again, this is like Tim's fake economic populism thing. Well, he'll be like, yeah, I'm totally in favor of like all of these big sweeping economic changes that every candidate I support is so against um, that they'll never even consider it. I'm, I'm like super ideologically in favor of all these sweeping economic changes. But like trans people got too woke or something. So like I have to vote. GOP. Um, yeah, the woke mob went too far, so I had to support candidates who agree with the opposite of every single economic position I pretend to have. That's what after I'll, I'll go extreme with it. If a, if a people after a second kid, no more taxes, income tax zero. Have two kids, no taxes. I mean, I, I know that None. there have been certain proposals um, in places like Hungary that yep. are like that, but they are heavily, heavily tilted towards heterosexual families as opposed to if a gay couple wants to adopt or have children, I would, if I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't, this is a big fascist government thing, by the way, um, paying families to have lots of children. Uh, now in the United States, they wouldn't have a law being like, this only works if you're white or whatever, but the, the kind of people who are in a position. Okay. The, 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 if you look at Hungary, I'm pretty sure they, they do this in like a, a, a class discriminatory way as well. But if they started like, uh, cutting taxes for people who have lots of children, you know for a fact that somehow that shit would not trickle down to like poor black families with six kids. Zero chance. Um, I think a better thing that we could do is start with welfare incentives because uh, our, wealth, our welfare incentives are like f***ed right now. This is one of the few things that I'll agree with conservatives on, but current welfare structuring in some cases actually does incentivize like bad family planning because you get more money if you don't marry. And that's weird. Like you, like the threshold for welfare cutoff doesn't double when you are filing as a joint income, meaning that if you file separately, you are more likely to be able to keep the welfare benefits. It's like, a, yeah, it's a poverty trap. 
Uh, it's really dumb. But this would be easy to fix. This is like an easy thing to fix. You know what I mean? But we just don't because we, you know. Yeah. Agree with that because I want more taxation, frankly, so that we could have socialized health care. We could have a college for all act, which honestly you could pay for with a tax on Wall Street speculation. It would be incredibly easy. It's only 48 billion a year, which is less than the military budget increase that we did in 21 to 22, which was around 71 billion dollars. Um, I want to do that kind of stuff. And so getting rid of income tax, that wouldn't I would not be in favor of it. But if if, if you want to create tax incentives for families so that they can raise their kids and they aren't in poverty, I am all for that, Tim. But to to your point about nobody would disagree, I would 100 percent disagree with that, because, again, I want tax credits for babies. There is not a demonstration that these policies kind of that these work in reducing crime. In fact, we see the opposite. If you put up that homicide chart, it starts increasing during the war on poverty, which is the greatest increase in it's that. Sorry, go ahead. Not talking about crime. In, well, in she, she was. She said, if you wanted to deal with crime, this is how well, you Well, I'm do trying it. to connect it to this, but like... Right, right. But, but, in the broader I, sense, I, I think. I think the most important thing to take away from this here is that every single Republican voted against the American Rescue Act and the expanded child tax credit. There is one party that is... Look, it's not but good enough. Saying, I'm, I'm, I'm more obviously in the Bernie Sanders wing. I have, but real, real have quick. deep, deep disagreements with Hillary Clinton-esque um, neoliberal politicians. But, 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 if, but yeah, it's the if, Democratic saying, Party in favor of policies that are going to be helping the, the, people on a day-to-day basis like this. The Republicans voted against a broad bill that included one thing in it. Is that what happened? Yeah, but they also fought tooth and nail about the actual child tax credit. This was a part of the inflation. Is Tim seriously pre- pretending that Republicans fought the child tax credit? because it was earmarked with other stuff. Like, like the Republicans were like, oh man, I wish I could support Biden's child tax credit. Uh, sadly, there are other associated bills that I, uh, I can't do that, you know? It's so f- dishonest. I doubt Tim would even explicitly say that, like Republicans supported that. He would just, he's just like gesturing at it to throw another rock at Emma to try to trip her up. But, but oh, oh, by the way, I should say, Emma's been doing flawlessly so far. Seriously, Emma's been doing fantastic. I haven't said that enough, mostly because, like, I've been making fun of the racist talk. But she's been doing great. She's been doing fantastic. Inflation Reduction Act negotiations as well. They were not in favor of that, too. And Joe Manchin, your senator, right? We're here in West oh, Virginia. I mean, <laughs> you got to like, I mean, you're, you're a he's celebrity out. here, right, Tim, in West Virginia? You should call on Joe Manchin and say, hey, why don't you do this? Why are you not in favor that, of child tax That dude credit? is neoliberal. Totally. To perfection. It's like that nobody in, the, in West Virginia wants the guy. Right. I mean, and he's for, very unpopular. For, for, right. That, right. That's not true. He's actually the most popular politician in West Virginia history. Go talk to some people in West Virginia. I'm sure you could find people. His find old, people, dude. I, I get I'm here. numbers are in the tank right I'm, I'm in right-wing <laughs> nut job territory. Listen, no, this guy lost his mind. I get why maybe, you're against him. Maybe because... four years ago he was popular because the state, like for, for whatever reason, but people are not happy with him today. Tim I've not right met about a this. single person here who likes him. I mean, they might be upset with him now, but he No, he's tanking and polling numbers. Vosh, you're not quite correct that Hungary has it's mean texted, but it's still kind of bad. Ah, uh, this is no, 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 Araxial. This is exactly what I mean. This is perfect. This is exactly what I mean. So Hungary does give you tax benefits for having a bunch of children, but it's only if your the mom has the full time job of being a stay at home mom. So this wouldn't benefit like poor immigrant families that can't afford to have a single income household. This would only benefit families that are well off enough, and therefore, like statistically speaking, ethnically biased to be Hungarian. Um, uh, 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 where they can only, where they can have like the Stepford wife home. This is exactly what I mean, where it seems like, oh, well, this would help poor families, but no, it doesn't because poor families aren't going to benefit enough from a tax reduction, especially in the United States where poor people don't get taxed that much at all, really, um, to cover the lost income from a mother staying at home and not working a job. The whole point isn't to like enrich families. The point is to promote ethno-nationalism. Uh, um, 
Orban has explicitly said that he wants like an ethno state. So he um he's he's just promoting policies that'll allow like middle and upper middle class Hungarian families to pump out a bunch of racially pure babies. Racially pure in Hungary. Oh my god. Balkan or European racism is so dumb, dude. Bro, oh my god. Just like I just the idea of like this whole politic of racial purity from in Hungary. Like, oh man, like what are you doing? Ugh. It's like the Serbs too. Like, why are you doing Nazi shit? You're Serbian. What, uh, uh, what, what ancient Aryan bloodline are you carrying for? Like, what are you doing? God. Hypothetical I mean, matchups with injustice in the Senate. That's actually a fact. West Virginia, 86% Trump supporting state. Yeah. They, all of those people despise him for obvious reasons. But then you go and meet some of the more moderate, don't really care, middle of the road people. And they're just like, what happened to that guy? And, and so, look, man. I, can, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm telling you, like... No, I get why you're I, against him. Because... It's, not, it's, not, it's not about me. I'm saying, like, we'll go hang out any one of these... And this is the panhandle, don't get me, don't get me wrong, but I'm even... We were hanging out in Charleston uh, five hours from here. Not a single person I've ever met in West Virginia is like, I like that guy. Not one. I've talked to people who are, like, who have told me... In We've reached the point in the discussion where Tim Pool um, anecdotes for 10 minutes. One thing that I'll give Tim Pool credit for is that his anecdotes are like a coin flip, and it's not always guaranteed they'll be reactionary. Sometimes he just talks. Um, I sympathize with that. I relate to that. You know what I mean? Like interrupting a political conversation to go on a tangent about like a cool dog that I saw once. I, 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 I completely relate to that. West Virginia, they don't like Trump. They'd rather have DeSantis. And then they say, Manchin's got to go. He's got to go. We got to get somebody else. He's awful because he's like, he's, he's not a Democrat or Republican at this point. It's like, he's a corporate He's, he's, that, that, that's it. It's like he's of the corporate party. He, well, he doesn't seem to be he, he, has, to anybody. he has a fine line to walk, in my opinion, to hold a state like this as a Democrat. And this like I get I get why she being more progressive doesn't like him. But he's like one of the only Democrats that could have won here, which is why when they tried running a progressive in the primary is Tim and the Trump or DeSantis faction full on Trump um, because Tim does the fake populism thing. DeSantis is too institutional. Like that person got slaughtered by him. Man, right. mentions, so, it's, but it's, I get why you would want to replace Jim, him. Jim, I want to replace him. The Republicans lost the Senate. Jim Justice is very likely. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just want to point this out. I, I, off the top of my head, I think Mansion's numbers are like 55% disapproval right I now. I can't see him winning. I mean, yeah. look, I don't know for sure. I'm not psychic, but everyone I talk to, it's like you've got, um, I think it's, uh, who is it? Mooney, potentially, oh, and um, Jim Justice. But Jim Justice seems very likely to get it. We'll right. see. I don't know for sure. Well, you brought, up, you brought up Trump. And if anyone is wondering why sometimes I accidentally type a bunch of asterisks and forward slashes, it's because I have my scene changer bound to my asterisk and my forward slash keys. So I usually have my mouse window centered on VGG chat, so it just inputs it in there. It, I could have fixed this easily three and a half years ago, and I just haven't. Nancy in West Virginia, I'm curious because uh, I saw Tim, you know, you've been like upset a little bit about how DeSantis has been, or maybe not upset. Okay. No, 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 no. Oh, you're pissed. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so, so I'll, I'll characterize it as you're a little pissed at how DeSantis has been using those AI images of Trump, uh, Trump Used hugging. three of them one time. Yeah. What, you know? what, I mean, can you expand on that, that thought? Ron DeSantis, his team, in order to smear Donald Trump, mm -hmm. ran yep. fake images of him kissing and hugging Fauci alongside real images and then wrote real life Trump over the top. Right. And it's one thing to play politics, which I despise. When you get someone being he like, hates you politics. Know, uh, Nancy Pelosi voted against this act. It's like the Saving Puppies Act, but it's actually a bill that like cuts taxes for oil companies. Or the inverse, where it's like, you know, uh, insert Republican voted for whatever. I, I despise all of that. 
but mm-hmm. actually fabricating images, shrinking them down and placing them alongside real images and writing real life Trump on it. Can you pull up the image so I can see it? Yeah. Do you think Tim Pool has any moral grievance with the like many, many times that there have been viral images or published images of like photoshopped shit smearing trans people? I'm remembering specifically there was a guy at the front of a parade with a white plain t-shirt um, who had like map pride um, photoshopped on it. They got like rebroadcast uh, heavily. So, I mean, is that kind of the core of your, are, are you, would you say as of now, if you were to vote today, you'd be voting for Trump? Yeah. Um, but that's the core of your disagreement. So, oh, there's a lot more than that. Here, take a look at this. This is, this is, as I, I, I feel like this is campaign ending. I feel like this. <laughs> really? Yes. I mean, it's funny the, to me. The it's, manufacture it's silly, but... of fake images to trick <laughs> people into voting for someone is, look, this is the open door. Ron DeSantis decided to be the person to stick his foot over the line and say, we will manufacture fake images to win. I mean, they do say that they're fake. Like, I'm no, 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 they ran it as real life Trump. Now, I understand Trump if, you, if you scrutinize the images, you can tell they're fake. This one says Mehap Wems. OK, yeah, that's not that's not English. Mm-hmm. And it's under the White House emblem. But when it's in a, in a in a video, that's a minute long and you pass this. I've already had people tell me that they they didn't realize it was fake. Really? And I've already people say I talked to my parents about it. They thought it was real. And so what the, the DeSantis cr- uh, uh, fans are doing now is they're like, can you believe Tim actually thought those were real? <laughs> like, dude. If you want to play that game and call me stupid and insult me for calling out DeSantis's campaign for doing this, I literally don't care. It changes nothing of my moral stance. That- uh, well, I should be clear, by the way, um, not to sound uncool, but I think he's completely correct here. Um, Shit posting online is one thing, but the use of a political campaign, like faking images, I'm reminded of before AI art was a thing. Does anyone remember the Hillary Clinton campaign? Did what? Didn't they like distribute fake images of? Barack Hussein Obama with like a turban or something to like um like try to get people to believe he was a secret Muslim like she played into that racist bullshit um Hillary Clinton fake Obama images this it was it's funny like Hillary Clinton like did the racist smear Clinton aides claim Obama photo wasn't intended as a smear was this this was the faked one right Oh, was it not faked? It was just out of context because it was during a visit to Kenya, so he was just wearing local garb. No, that was on a ceremonial trip. Okay, but like it was it was distributed with the intent of misleading people. So the image wasn't faked. It was like the context that faked it. Uh or or that was faked, I guess. Yeah, I I I'm not I'm not really comfortable with political campaigns doing like the fake photo AI art shit. I don't mind if like Twitter shit posters are posting ob- uh, Trump getting tackled by 67 cops or whatever, but there's, I think that's a, a pretty fair distinction, you know, fear mongering over turban photo. Man, this was 15 years ago now. God damn. Oh. That this stepped well over the line. Now I gotta be honest, I, I, you go back in time for the first time a politician lied and people were probably like, can you believe you actually lied to us? And we know that's bad and I hate all of it, but this is, the next level. This is like, yeah, 
Hold well, it, it's what are, bad enough they're right. all lying. Well, well what's the core of your disagreement otherwise then? I mean, I because if, if, oh, if, it's, if it's with COVID, I would say I'm more on Trump's side with that kind of stuff. I liked Operation Warp Speed. Look, I would have done a little differently for giving away, gov- for giving away government money for vaccines <laughs> that we should have nationalized them and the well, intellectual property should have been waived so that everybody could have had access to it also in the Publicly funded South. should be publicly owned. I, I'm in favor of that, Tim. The, so, I mean, that's one thing that I think Trump is better. And, and look, just DeSantis is frankly, an anti-LGBTQ demagogue. Um, and that's where I would, I, I think Trump's less dangerous than is. DeSantis. Okay. Like he, he... Says, again, like this, this is a, how does Tim juggle his audience thing? And it's like, well, I don't like DeSantis because this one image of AI art, but you know, I don't think he's an anti-LGBT demagogue in spite of that being the entire thrust of his campaign. He is, but I think it's more so the Florida legislature that's doing it. And then he's latching onto it because I think when it comes to real issues related to this stuff, he's he's mum. When, I mean, when, he's when, been uh, anti wokeness is the center of his campaign. Yeah, he oh, made that at the forefront of his campaign. No, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, I Trump, like to say wouldn't even send the National Guard against the Black Lives Matter rioters. That's that's a different question. That's that's not wokeness. That's like crime and, and law and stuff. DeSantis, I think, is mostly surface level. Again, he hasn't spoken for like fifteen minutes. And his his the he finally speaks up and he's like, yeah, and Trump wouldn't even send military to squash those black protesters. Literally, that's what he speaks up on. He's quiet this whole time. And he's like, we could have we could have gotten videos of soldiers shooting at black people. We didn't because Trump was weak on crime. And that's his contribution. Thank you, AGW. Well, I I like a lot of his policies. I think he's. What do you like about his policies? Uh, I mean, at the beginning of COVID. It wasn't particularly good, right? He did a lot. He did a lot of what everyone else did. But to be fair, I was I was very much like I guess I was very much uh, you know Thomas Massey didn't want to do this big spending bill, and I said this is this is crazy. The economy, like we don't know what's going on. There are people dying. We're seeing videos of people dying in the street. And so I think hindsight being twenty twenty, I look back and I'm like I probably should not have just gone along with all of that. That was probably stupid. Uh, Ron DeSantis did initially, but then changed and said, you know what, this is not making sense. We're reopening, and I think that made a lot more sense. It, it was I, also what, under extreme pressure, like Andrew Cole. Over a million Americans died. Largest mass death event. All right. Was sure. Promoted governor in the country, and he was the most attacked. So DeSantis did did well in in uh, not the first, but he did well in uh, reopening things back up. But what policies then, do you like generally about him? I mean, the, besides the COVID stuff, what are the other policies like as governor? I mean, I, I, think, I you think it's just the state legislature that's putting I, together yes. these anti. Uh, I, I, I mean, I look, think it's mostly Tim, them you and, said and that there was a grooming it. event happening at Club Q, uh, uh, and that was after the shooting, right? right? Which is essentially kind of saying, well, look, they had it coming a little bit. I mean, no. you, you didn't say that, but that's the I implication. Actually said, how do we prevent these things from happening? If people, so I tweeted. So you actually seem pretty aligned with DeSantis on the absolutely on right. the but I, but I don't think it's him. I think it's the Florida legislature. And if DeSantis becomes president, you think Congress is going to vote for any of these? Notice how quickly he's trying to move away from that things. As for the Club Q thing. Uh, huh? I said, if people keep saying wood chippers, what did you think was going to happen? Right. I am saying stop. What? If the far right kept saying we should kill trans people, what do you think was going to happen? Yeah, I agree. We should do something about the far right. Also, he called it a grooming event. Club Q, it wasn't even like a drag thing. It was literally just like a like a like a club. Just a gay, it was a gay club. Stop saying these things. Saying what? People keep going online and going, wood chippers, wood chippers, wood chippers. You know what that means, right? For who, though? For, for groomers. Right, okay. And I'm like, what do you think is going to happen if you go online and keep calling for death? Like, don't yeah. do that. Stop that, right? We want to stop child abuse. We want to stop violence. That's what we want. So that's why I hope you have dedicated so much. Oh, I see what he's doing. He's, okay. So to avoid the whole, like, lying about a grooming event at Club Q thing, 
he's saying that he was actually pointing out the grooming as like this humanitarian, um, you know, well-reasoned effort to try to calm tensions by, hey, hey, let's, hey, listen, okay? We shouldn't go and murder groomers, pedophiles to murder children. I'm just saying, Club Q, maybe you should tone down the raping children in case something bad happens, you know? What a slimy piece of shit. What a disingenuous f coward. ...of your program to talking about the Catholic Church. Because there is, that is the institution in this country right now that is most associated with child abuse. Hands and out. queer people, yeah. gay people, trans people, that is not a thing. What is your definition of I mean, child they're abuse? Most, they're most associated, so, but they're actually not more abusive than any other religious institution. So we, and they're not nearly have, as um, abusive but as... But no, 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 I want, I want to stay on this. And I also just... What, where, where, where's, where, where are the books at? Where do they get moved to? Tim, though, what policies about DeSantis do you like in terms of his what he's running on for president? Culture war stuff, mostly. But I think I think COVID hey, policy was plug good. for the show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right, but uh, what's the culture war stuff that you like? So, yes, but the reason why I've not been... So last year, I was like, I think DeSantis is probably better for one simple reason. Uh, no, what stuff do you like now? What do you like that he's running on? Yeah, culture war stuff. But, but, no, I do like how like super sincere they are about wanting to keep kids from being raped. When you go like, hey, did you know like 5 million kids a year get raped by the Catholic Church? And AJW's like, ah, that's, ah, whatever, you know. Non-white religious institutions do that all the time. Uh, you know, it's not, not a big deal. Like, literally, that was his response. That in his the only logic in his head for that was to be clear, Catholics, majority white, not the only group that do that in America, other religious groups too. So, eh, you know, non-white ones. That's it. It's that's all he's thinking about. But can you expand on that notion? I think you, you want me to like pull up specific. I mean, I don't know. It's like you, you said fired, that you said that the, you uh, like certain things that you're leaning more towards Trump because of AI images. I would have hoped that there's a little bit more substance to your disagreement. Well, every time I try and bring it up, you you, you just ask me the same question again. Because you're not answering my question. So I'm trying to. Okay, go ahead. So uh, now where was I before you, you jumped back in? First, the culture war stuff is obvious, right? Parental rights and education bill. Yes, we, that one's fairly obvious. I don't know about the Disney stuff. That's kind of uh, absurd. What I was going to say is, let's go back in time to why I said I was for Ron DeSantis in the first place and why where I'm at now is not. The first thing was last year, I was having a conversation with the Daily Wire crew and I said, Trump is brash. Many people don't like him. And uh, he won't shut up about 2020. He's a sore loser. Ron DeSantis, at the very least, is dry and can get us something better than, say, Joe Biden. I know, but I'm still not really hearing Today, a specific policy. Right. So his He's... COVID policy was correct. Okay. Wait, these, but you these, just these said are, something are... with the beaches. That, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. The that closure. You can bring it over. Yeah, these aren't policies. Like pre his presidential platform. Like, what I don't are know the if he's things? Got one. Does he? Okay, so you're. I, I've not been on his. I've not been on board with him. So we can look at. And you said in... parental rights. I'm curious what you mean by that. Yeah, like uh, I'm um... in favor of parental rights, eh? Right. Like I want parents to be able to, if their child is transitioning, to be able to work with their doctor with a plan and mm -hmm. make sure that children are not being driven to suicidal ideation mm -hmm. and that parents aren't restricted by the state. From, let's talk, let's talk uh, about one of his policies. From, from, okay, go ahead. I don't want parents to be restricted from the state right. from giving health care to their children. If I open this book yeah. on YouTube, the stream will get taken down. Okay. Did you ever read this book? This book is in middle schools in Florida. Honest. If you open like pamphlets that you could find in the waiting room of a doctor's office on stream, I think you would also get the stream get the stream taken down, right? Like you could if you open a elementary school biology textbook and then go to the section on the reproductive system you would see drawings of human anatomy it's just it's it's a very weak argument a lot of people don't seem to understand what grooming actually is okay because like by the definition that the right would want you to go by grooming is any mention of gender sex sexuality or anything like that around kids leaving aside the fact that sex education is a morally correct thing um 
uh, to have children take because it lessens the chance of them being abused sexually by people in positions of power over them. There's the additional fact that, like, I can't make this clear enough, kids looking at a book that has a drawing of genitals isn't grooming unless you think that bio textbooks are grooming. What does that even mean? Like, at that, like, uh, th this is not a strong enough argument. It's an insufficient argument. We're not operating in reality right now. Sam Cedar found out this book wasn't in middle schools, it was in high schools. The majority reported a breakdown on this. Well, oh, high schools. Well, I hope that's far enough. I know that by the fact that I was 15, I had never once seen uh, a simple drawing of a penis. Because, and, and thank God. Because if by then I had seen a simple drawing of a penis, that might have been the end for me. That would have been the end of my fragile psyche. You know? Santa's had it removed. That's one simple policy you did. That's very good. You've never seen this book? I've heard about it. Have you ever looked inside of it? No, but I mean, I, I don't believe in censorship. If so I show you I don't a picture of a blowjob, would you be offended? Um, I mean, <laughs> can I show you, you a picture of a blowjob? I, I wouldn't gay. be offended. I mean, I no, think that, honestly, do you know, Tim, that the more children learn about sexual education in the way that's productive and done in schools, the less likely they are to be sexually abused because they know what is good and what I is bad. I can't show this image on YouTube. Uh, do you hear me, though, about that? So I think the more children the learn is... about sexual education. Why are you looking at it, Tim? Tim, why are you looking at it? And the less likely they are to be victims of pedophilia. And rape. I think the, the issue is you're confusing sexual education with kink, right? So I, I'm I'm looking at this right now. I can't even hold it up because I can't point it at the camera. And uh, I don't. Uh, want... Well, wait, no. Good sexual education. It is sex education about sex. Uh, I in my sex education, um, we we were taught about anal sex purely because it's like they they're like you know yeah use condoms for this as well. Like if if the point is to educate someone about sex. It's you're not just educating them on the on the biology of reproduction. That's incredibly simple. Um, it's sex education. And that does involve to an extent like um, for it, like are blowjobs kink. Like, I, I think if, if your sex education doesn't mention what a blowjob is, it's probably pretty bad sex education. Right. I'm pretty sure that like, the part time person's in high school. They can probably learn that in like a class that's about sex education. Because that's not reproductive sex. It's that's sodomy. Literally, yeah, blowjobs are sodomy. So, like, like seriously, what what's grooming? Understand why school children should be taught how to perform blowjobs for an auto androphile. I don't believe they're being taught that. The why was this book banned? I don't. I don't school? really know. Again, Amazon because this is right, another. So, having a book in a school is not school kids being taught something. It's having a book that has information in it. Saying they're being taught this implies the book is part of a specific curriculum. Case by case example. No, no, no. You asked me I am about not what Ronda Santos censorship. Did. You asked I'm... me what Ronda Santos did that I liked. That he Here's banned a... genderqueer? That he's he's removing pornographic and kink books from middle schools is a very, very good one. And I I I would I would uh... Well for me, my politics are a little broader than that, Tim, I gotta say. You, so listen. If your argument to me is that I or anyone else should support your politics because you want to show blowjobs to children, you're going See, to... See, again, remember what I said about how Tim Willarp is an economic progressive who has all these big ideas about improving America's economy? And now he's like, yeah, Ron DeSantis took this one blowjob book out of, a, out of a middle school, but it's actually a high school. So yeah, I'm totally on board with him. Literally, all politics falls to the side um, because it's the same bullshit with him, right? He's not meaningfully different from any other like reactionary or fascist commentator. Um, he just like, he, he has to go that additional step of pretending he's anything but. 
Well, I don't think that that is a policy done by teachers in this country. I think that this, this book is a, was in schools in Florida. There which are a is ton why... of books that are in a ton of schools. I don't <laughs> I don't believe in censorship. That's not my bag. Buddy. So you think children should have Playboy? I don't really think so. No, because that's pornography. So you think Tim, a you're in job. favor of censorship. Uh, I, yes, you are, you absolutely. Are. Oh, that's good to know. If you watched the show, you'd know this. Oh, you're okay. You're we talk censorship. about I am, how we're I am not. In, I, right. one, I want children to be able to have all the information that they need in order to Including make, pornography. No, that's not pornography. We, we, were, we back should up. ask if bio textbooks are pornography. Record everything. And uh, we're, we're still huh? I think all, I think I think we're back. Oh. We are back. Whoa. Oh, OK, it's pretty now, stormy out. It broke your stormy too. Yeah, I mean, it's rainy. OK, I think we're live again. Power outage. Okay. There we go. We're back. Yes. <laughs> so the power, the power just, just went out. Yeah. That was have, God striking you down. That was Tim. the YouTube. Striking me down. You're the one arguing for. Uh, You're the one arguing you know. for censorship. Yes. I've, yeah. I've, I mean, I don't. I don't really mind that stuff. I mean, do you, are you in favor of, vi of children seeing violence on television? No. That scares me a little bit. More. Uh, it depends. Depends. It's not so simple to say violence, right? Um, but yes. Oh, oh, oh! Now there's complexity and nuance. I see. Censorship is a good thing, but when done bad, it's a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, Ian Crossland, who is a co-host on TimCast IRL, used to be a moderator for Minds.com, and he had to filter out graphic depictions of murder and and and, and child abuse. Censorship is absolutely vital in, in that in that regard. So, if we're talking about a book like, uh, in particular, there was one called uh, "There's a Teacher," who provided a book to her middle schoolers called "This Book Is Gay." I don't know if you've ever heard of it. I have heard. That's it actually provides, a very good book. And it provides instruction on children for children. She provided instruction to children on how to use adult gay anonymous sex apps. Yeah, I don't think that's appropriate. Now, uh, nope, that's another lie. Um, I think I think that the the book included like um, a, a description. It said something about Grinder, and it said like it was something with regards to like protecting kids, like to um, what was the name of the book again? This book is about sex. Grinder. Just know that this book is gay. That's right. Know that any time that Tim Pool just off the cuff describes something like that, he's lying. He'll never tell the truth um, um, in an off the cuff talk on that. And I think like when talking about this, I, I, my, honest, my honest position on this would be like, I, I just, in, in the grand scheme of things, like whether you're talking bio textbooks or Huckleberry Finn or whatever else, the idea that all politics in this country has to be subsumed by paranoia over what books are in the libraries of which high schools, while the Catholic Church is five million babies a second and millions die or uh, or, or, or suffer from like uh, chronic hunger. And like, I have to, like all political issues have to be subsumed by this is, is completely ludicrous, you know? Um, and that we should stop like pretending this is about politics and acknowledge the fact that this is about like bending any existing evidence into a witch hunt. Oh, look, by all means, you can be in favor. Let maybe she had a child. Maybe, maybe she had a child in her classroom who, who wanted to go on Grinder and have sex with adults. Is that your argument? No, I mean, I'm not saying that. I, first of all, I don't know. Again, this Why is would another, a 10 year old need Grinder. This is this. This is the thing that you do, though, Tim. Oh, that You're I do. picking specific examples that you are asked no, no, for one. You asked example. me for one. OK, then go ahead. Uh, the, I, don't, I, did. I don't We have the book. Ask. Yeah, I'm, I'm I said, not don't show children blowjobs. Look, you said I'm, appreciate I'm it. not in favor of censorship. As, I'm a, not in as favor an objective observer that's sitting here, you asked for a specific example. He gave it to you. And then you try to say he's broadly in favor of censorship. Yeah, he's conflating the presence of a thing in the book's instruction. Yeah, I think the book just has a description of what grinder is but all the right wing have looked at that and gone like oh this book is telling young people to go on grinder which is ridiculous if a if a book had if a book that you could find in middle schools had a section on like um this is how you do mechanical stuff 
this would be how you make a light bulb. This would be how you like make it. And then it's like, this book is giving instruction on how to rewild the circuits of a car. Do you know how dangerous that is? Do you know how like, you seriously think a kick it out? It's like, no, saying a thing is a thing is not saying you, the child reading this should do this thing right now. But again, like it doesn't matter because they're aware of the fact that they're lying and that they exaggerate. That's why when they bring these things up, they do so in a dishonest framework and they do so very quickly, hoping that you don't challenge them on the specifics. Remember when Tim Pool was talking to Lance about um, uh, the guy who was choked to death for 15 minutes on the New York subway? And Tim kept saying that this guy was violent, but like never said how he was violent. And even the times that Lance was like, okay, so what did he do? Tim was like, well, he was violent. But like the only way you would have gotten Tim Pool to admit that there was no evidence of him laying a hand on anyone would have been to go like, no, I want you to explicitly tell me what physical action was taken because I don't think you're being honest and like, but it didn't reach that point. So it just like went on past that point. Yeah. It's possibly to make a hypocrisy point later on when he complains about social media censorship or something like that. No, but I it's just like, he's talking about this specific issue. And I remember I was working on an education series about this kind of thing years before it was popular. Yes. I was ahead of my time. And yeah, these <laughs> kind of things were popping up all over schools. And I am happy that DeSantis is like doing something. We had Asra Nomani on the show. She brought in, I think like 70 books of all of the weird racist indoctrination and sex stuff that they're bringing in schools. Yeah. And I said, look, man, it's really simple for me. If someone comes to me and says that they think this book, which Amazon says is 18 up only, should be given to children, I'll say, I will vote against you. So if, should if, the Bible if, be banned from schools because it depicts sexual acts? It is banned acts? from schools, public schools. The Bible probably is not appropriate for children for a lot of reasons. And I am- Oh, don't f pretend that you're equally opposed to the Bible being removed from schools as you are queer stuff. Bullshit. Bullshit. And the Bible's not banned from schools. Again, they keep conflating books used in instruction and books in the library. None of the books they're bringing up are, in, are being used in instruction, in curriculum. I'm not a Christian, so I don't particularly care about whether or not they're going to give a book to children that has something like Deuteronomy. They're not giving the books. They're just sitting in the libraries. That's not like, again, every time this gets said, a vastly greater level of intent and deliberation is being ascribed to these books distributions, not just it's sitting in a library. 2320 in it, I don't think kids should be reading that kind of stuff. Okay. However, I'm, I'm in favor of the parents deciding when it is appropriate for their kids, which comes with very difficult moral questions in that my morality is different from the morality of each individual parent. So that's why I'm kind of like, the government probably shouldn't be the one doing it. Have you- the, You just made an argument for the government banning these books. What? So did you, did you just hear that? Because again, and, and you're, you're wondering, how is his audience not catching this flagrant hypocrisy? And the answer for why is because the way Tim is talking is giving his audience the impression that these books are being handed out to students as part of the school curriculum. So they're, they're under the impression that this is like a state forcing kids to read the gay book or whatever. And he thinks that, oh, for the Bible, maybe it's not good for kids. The parents should decide. But in reality, of course, um, no. The Bible was actually banned in Utah. Look, oh, those darn Mormons. Oh, this was recently, right? Oh yeah, this was just like a little while ago. They banned the, the Bible because it was, yeah, they're, they're, they're using Republican anti-LGBT laws against them. They're saying like, oh, you want to ban all these gay books because they're gender and sex? Well, this is gender and sex. Okay, yeah, well, there you go. That's the, that's the point though. That's the world they're building. 
had a an it was unbanned too ah cowards expert on sexual education on your program to talk about this kind of stuff yes um what did they say uh and are you in favor of abstinence only no it's been it's been a very very long time you're not in favor of abstinence only education abstinence only is so you're you're kind of hinging on this book that has pornographic material in it that like okay uh, there's a difference between sex and kink Right? Uh, okay, sure. So the the many many individuals on the left have made arguments in favor of kink for kids, which is weird to me, and I think is inappropriate. I think kids should learn about sex. I think the parents should decide when it's appropriate. This is why typically at schools they would give out a notice to the parents, like we're intending on doing sex ed. Here's yeah. here's the subjects we're going to cover. Nothing's changed. The issue that way. with Florida was that they had a policy where they would not instruct parents, and actually were told not to talk to the parents if the kids were suffering uh, identity issues. Now that's the state should not intervene and take away the rights of the parents in that capacity. And, and they- They're not. The state isn't taking away the rights of the parents by refraining to compel teachers from disclosing that to parents. That's not, that's, it's not the right of the parent for every single person in the world to tell them if their kid says that they're thinking they might be trans. That's not a, that's not a right parents have. In that way, can you, can you say that again, that the state, uh, what about gender identity issues? So in Florida, what, what, what prompts a bill like this, and it also happened with stuff in like Nashville, was that the schools, and I think they do this in like Washington and Colorado, the schools were actually telling teachers not to talk to the parents if the children were having some kind of identity issue. And so this led to suicides. No, and, no. What leads well, to suicides. What? Telling teachers not to talk to the parents if the children were having some kind of identity issue. And so this led to suicides. No. no, it didn't. What? How can you possibly prove that? How can you draw a causative link there? No, what leads well, to suicide is that children are being told that they cannot uh, operate and be who they are as the gender that is who they are in their heart. That's what's leading to suicide. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about one specific. I'm, I'm, well, I think it's like Again, two, you're two talking things. about one specific example. I'm talking you, about you, you, broader, you can't ask broader. Me for like, I talk about politics, Tim. I don't talk about anecdotes. We're talking about policy that they would not. You, you asked me what gender. policy was. I'm talking about school district policy. I'm talking. Okay. I cover national you asked politics. Me too. Yeah. All right. You can't <laughs> ask me a question that when I when I explain where the policy came from, be like, no, no that makes no sense. You, you, Notice how nothing about Tim's initial explanation made it clear he was referring to one case. He said, like, oh, well, what they did was this, and that led to suicides. And it's like, oh, well, he was referring to one thing that he remembers. And then he gets indignant when he's called out on it. You, you, you go into you individual anecdotes. I'm telling you, you why about... the policy was written. Okay, go ahead, Tim. I, that's why the policy was written. Because there were children who were having identity issues, and the schools were instructed, the teachers were told not to tell the parents. This led to, I think it was a suicide attempt. The parents got... Oh, now, oh, now it's a suicide attempt. Angry. Had a suicide attempt. A little girl tried to kill herself. Okay, again, and, this is one case. Go and, ahead. And there was also another. In- right, I'm not talking about. Look at this anecdote. Let's set policy. I'm saying Florida set a law because. Okay, I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I'm saying a thing led to a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. My position is that parents should be fully informed about what's going on with their children, and teachers should not withhold that information from them. It is not up to the state to decide what is best for the kid. There are certain. But the exceptions. state is deciding what is best for the kid in these instances. Yeah, he's advocating for the state to make that decision by forcing parents to disclose inform or forcing teachers to disclose info to parents. He's 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 forcing more involvement from teachers in this. Oh no! Like the suicide attempt was almost certainly because of abusive parents back at home, not because a teacher didn't tell the parents if trust me if a kid doesn't feel comfortable sharing that stuff with their parents telling them anyway will not improve the situation they're essentially saying that children 
it, it, take Florida, for example. You're talking about Florida. Let's talk mm. about it. They are saying that children cannot, under the uh, supervision of their doctor and with their parental consent, this, none of this happens, by the way, without parental consent. It's but, illegal. They, 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 can, about, they cannot work with their doctor on a health care plan for them to transition into their I'm not talking about that. I mean, you're, you're talking about medical intervention. I'm talking right, about, but you like, have spoken about knowledge this on your program about the, before. Yeah, I think, like, if a doctor prescribed a lobotomy to a kid, the government should stop it's that, It's not too. a lobotomy. That's I not what say, it I'm is. Saying, I'm saying that there are certain things in the medical world that we prohibited. Right, but this is... But, Except lobotomies were prohibited by doctors, whereas um, gender-affirming procedures and care are being prohibited by politicians with an agenda. Not what That's should, but the American you, you Journal... You disagree, you think it shouldn't be. No, I'm not I, every wrong. single expert that is reputable on this front disagrees. The American Journal of Pediatrics did a study about transitioning children. They studied them over five years. 94% of the children continued mm -hmm. to identify as the gender that they were choosing to identify when with at the beginning. five whole then, years? Yeah, wow. yes. When and, placed on Lupron. No, uh, I, th then the six percent that were remaining, three and a half percent, identified as cisgender. Two and a half percent went back. Yes, but they were heavily weighted under the age of ten years old, this is, this where is they never had any about. medical intervention. This is how actually trans care actually goes, Tim. Eight to thirteen years old, you're put on puberty blockers. Those are entirely reversible. Then mm, after that, 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 that is one hundred percent true. It's not true. That's one hundred percent. It's true. They, 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 there's been so much effort to cloud this, but like, no, they're reversible. They're not entirely then, then reversible. They're 99.9% .9 reversible, actually. There's, if you take them for six years, but then don't follow it up with injected hormones, then bone density... No, it's, it's, it's bullshit. They're reversible. There are things far less reversible that are still called reversible. To a certain degree, they can be. Then why are they used in instances where They're someone has use. puberty that, that, that... Plenty of things get used off-label, especially for youth. There's nothing illegitimate about off-label use. Right, exactly. And there's a carve-out for that in the Florida bill, by the way. So cis kids can have it, but trans kids can't. Because that's, then the, primary six, label, then 16 years that's old, the primary use of the drug. Okay, but, but that's but, but, not but, what but, doctors say. No, no, no. Then 16 years old, 16 hmm. years old, that's when hormones happen. Very, very, very rarely are there any surgeries under the age of 18. I don't hear you talking about rhinoplasties under the age of 18. I've talked to people, We have. Oh. Maybe, maybe you've heard it because you don't watch the show. Okay. I've also said child beauty pageants are wrong and they're disgusting. I've also said Hooters is inappropriate for kids. And I said we shouldn't be giving minors any kind of cosmetic surgery. I don't even like tattoos or piercings. So when it comes it's to... It's quite puritanical of you, Tim. I'm surprised. You have a lot yes, of swords I don't think and children, and stuff in here. Uh, I, I don't think children should, make, uh, uh, should be altering their bodies. But you uh, just said parental rights. So if under uh, 18... Parents have to give consent for piercings and tattoos. And Do you think for a, a mom should have the right to remove the salivary glands of, like, of her child? No, no. What? 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 I like like this conversation, just this, this recurring pattern of like Emma being, okay, so we agree that like if parental consent matters and the child's consent matters, then if they both want to do a thing, they should do a thing. Tim's like, do you think a parent should be able to insert a knife into the collarbone of a child and twist it and then draw it across the entire body. Is that okay with you, Emma? Like, it's like, it's, it's so, it's so indicative of his unwillingness to engage with this issue. The parental rights story Tim mentioned is a complete fabrication. Like, holy shit, Vosh, all Tim do does is lie. Well, um, the link you've given me doesn't work. So I'm afraid it doesn't support your case, but I agree that he lies nonstop. Are you for parental rights or not? See, this is this is this is a every right has this, limits. Well, this is actually interesting because we've and notice that they will never banty about. So Tim will say in the abstract, "Yeah, I don't think that kids should get piercings or tattoos either." Is he on his show arguing that Ron DeSantis should make it illegal and jail parents for ten years for getting their kids tattoos? No, because he's lying. He'll say in the abstract, "Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm economically populist. I think we should have like a higher tax for the wealthy and blah blah. I think that it's bad for children to get any kind of alteration, rhinoplasty, tattoos, piercings, whatever else." But does he really? No. 
He'll concede those in the abstract because it shields him from counterarguments, but in reality, no. What you're asking, we've actually talked in a great depth about on, on Timcast IRL. That Are you the, for parental rights or not? I just that, asked. That question right there leads in two different directions, which, is, again, we've addressed. If you watched the show, you'd have heard the, the, the statement we made about well, it. Well, I heard you five minutes ago say you were right. for parental rights, and now do you're it, saying you're not. What, where, where do parents' rights begin and where do they end is strictly a moral question based on the moral frameworks of an individual. If there is someone who goes to a doctor in, say, uh, Saudi Arabia, and the doctor prescribes female circumcision, they're going to argue it's the parents' rights. We would argue another against Another hypothetical. That. I'm and, talking but, about But these, these things literally do happen right. in other countries. But it wouldn't the be point, a I'm talking about this it country, would... and I'm right. talking about so parental I'm rights. a point. The point is, the idea that parents have a right is limited to what we what our moral limits are. Meaning, if you morally are okay with a child sex change, then you are going to argue in favor of parents' rights. If I say you shouldn't be able to mandate vaccinations, you children don't get sex changes. Probably argue against the parents' right, right? Uh, should a school be allowed to mandate? It, sh it should be noted, by the way, that I don't give a fuck about parents' rights. Um, children are dumb idiots that are uh, supervised and shepherded by parents. The well-being of the child takes first priority. There are lots of things that see people seem to think parents should get away with doing to their kids that I think are fucked up. You can watch uh, like a Knowing Better video on the subject, but like this has gotten to the point where like religious activists have protested local courts uh, arguing that they should be able to deny their children medical treatment because their religion dictates that they're it, like, it's like American Christian scientists or whatever. Um, that if they should never take any medicine at all. So their children will like die of preventable causes. Um, and then like the, the parents will get off scot-free because it's like, oh, it's your parental right to let your child um, scream in agony as they die slowly on their bed um, rather than being brought to the hospital. Vaccines for children. Yes. But what about parents' rights? Are you for parents' rights? Uh, well, I'm for public health. But you're not for parents' rights. You see, that question leads nowhere. No, I mean, look, Tim, I've never been made parental rights a plank of my own politics. I'm saying this within the context of what you just said five minutes right. ago. And I'm you explaining. Yes, parental so rights you, extends to my morality. So, right. Your morality says that you think that trans children and parents, even if they agree with their child and the doctor is supervising this kind of transition, you're essentially saying that you don't believe that they should be have the power and ability and that the state should intervene. That sounds like big government to me. Uh, yeah, um, I, 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 I don't know if you know who I am. Well, okay, then there you go. The, the state should intervene because you, know, like, you don't believe the parents should and their children. Uh, again, like Tim will rapidly oscillate between pretending to be some kind of freedom-loving libertarian and like, oh no, I actually am authoritarian. They're in agreement. I, so at first, my position was, you know, early on, you know, if the doctors are prescribing it and it's the best thing they can do, I think we're looking at in the past four years about 50,000 or so cases of cross-sex hormones for kids. You know, so be it. Then we started seeing like the Tavistock scandal. We saw Finland, Denmark, Sweden start pulling this. The research coming out showed that it was not particularly effective. And then we also had More multiple research. studies showing that uh, um, desistance rates for those who did not take any, uh, who did not receive intervention was actually upwards of 95%. Also, just a complete lie, the 95% statistic here, and it changes every time, they'll say 95, 96, 98, whatever, um, was basically uh, like a little boy played with a Barbie doll and we followed him for 10 years and it turns out he wasn't a trans woman. Uh, notice how he said desistance rate for people who never received any treatment. That's desistance rate for people who never received any gender dysphoria diagnosis. You liter It's literally just like finding people on the street and going like, oh, okay, well, we'll see how many of you are trans. Oh, like 1% of you? Oh, I guess like 99% of people um, have a desistance rate of not being trans. That it's nonsense science. And then my position became, it probably is the appropriate thing for the legislature to say, we're not going to allow this anymore. Okay, I just listed the American Journal of Pediatrics. That's incredibly reputable. Incredibly reputable. 94% of children continued care after ages. Hmm. Take a Netherlands study. This is Lancet. 98% continued hormone therapy on follow-up. After what? So, so, so you... No, but the so, other one's a five-year study. This no, no, is just a after, secondary after one. After what? 
point. Well, no, so, so this is the issue, right? Those studies were based upon whether a child was placed on puberty blockers or not. When a child is placed on puberty blockers, they tend not to desist. When yeah. a child is left alone, they tend to desist. So or maybe the children who are less likely to desist are the ones given the puberty blockers. The argument from Tim here is that like taking puberty blockers locks your brain or that people get like um, people get like sunk cost fallacy and they're like ah, in for a penny in for a pound. Guess I'll spend the rest of my entire life being transgender um, as opposed to I don't know, maybe they just give puberty blockers to the kids who are, you know, trans. But the issue is then if uh, according to, you know, 10 perspective follow up studies from childhood adolescents found desistance ranging from 61 to 90 percent, then the safety of the children would lean. Yeah, this is this is a bullshit statistic. The uh, uh, yeah, see, 98 is the higher one right there. These children were not diagnosed with gender dysphoria. So why would they be given any medicine towards non-intervention? I, I look, I, I'm I'm. Go, go ahead. You can, yeah. Again, we should probably agree to look at this these kinds of studies before we're going to pull them up for a debate, because what I'm pulling up and what I'm referencing is in, in, inherently reputable. And you can find any information oh. that you want on the Internet. I am with NCBI. a majority of doctors on this front. There's is, I mean, that's this, a broad this, statement. Is, I don't know about no, that. No, no, that is actually a fact. That is 100% a fact. Well, I've seen this movie before. So what's happening is you're referencing T-transition under a system where they wouldn't be put on puberty blockers necessarily, and then they would go through the cross-sex hormone. So everybody who would have desisted at the point of puberty, which is what you're referencing, is already excluded from her sample. So, right. like, and I don't even think you would oh, disagree right. with that. That's that actually true. AJW being correct here, yes. That they would give puberty blockers to the people who wouldn't desist anyway once they're actually past the point of puberty and they still think they're in the opposite body or whatever and they go through the process there's a very low detransition rate but you're specifically talking about desistance Look, and i remember I'm this saying, because no, 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 this happened when what, you argue with the serfs this I mean, is what it boils down to i'm not a moralist i don't have like the arrogance to believe that my personal preferences for how my life would be lived should be imposed on other people um, i'm trying to make a argument for a case for uh, I'm trying to make a case for a broad set of policies that are going to make sure people are as happy as they can possibly be and mm -hmm. can live their life to the fullest. So if you want to impose your morality on people, it sounds like fundamentalism. For me, I mean, I'm in favor on, of a real argument. But if most no, that, no, but I am on. having a real argument. That's not you just said your morality. Said, here's is a study. Oh man, here's a study that shows resistance <laughs> rates up to 95 percent. Hold on, resistance rates are shown up to 95 percent with non-intervention. So then we would lean towards non-intervention. And you said you're a fundamentalist. You didn't make an argument. No, you made earlier you talked about how you notice he completely ignored what AJW said morality is what you want to dictate in terms of this policy Wait, I, you see this is this is what i was talking about with sam okay uh, right the inability to grasp philosophical concepts when i explain to you that you are opposed to parental rights because you're in favor of vaccine mandates right i don't think you can understand the 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 uh, duality of the, of the statement you're making are you in favor Thanos, of parental rights Thanos, can go Thanos. in one of two moral directions you do have a moral stance i wasn't you talking about i wasn't talking about parental rights i was using that as a way to talk about right. your My statement point is, on parental rights if and you, i fully if you have a moral position on morality, health, Tim, and you want to have... oppose that then you too would be a fundamentalist and you've made a nonsensical statement i if you want to make an argument about why me using this data is incorrect i'm all ears this is the what's being referenced in favor of someone that you could be sure was going to uh, create 10 concentration camps uh, or would you vote or would you or would you vote for someone who would create five concentration camps or would, not, or would you not vote and not vote. I would vote for someone who is going to create less concentration camps. So you're you're willing to put your weight behind somebody who's going to make concentration camps. No, I'm not willing to put I'm, I'm willing to put my weight behind diminishing the number of concentration camps. I think that before you go, that's a really great point that I think may separate its utilitarianism versus deontologism.
that you, you, you're quantifying versus I'm not. You see, what I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying your philosophical standard is the minimization of harm, and mine is more about the individual is the small. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm curious about the second part of that. You said you know what I mean because I really don't. Oh, so, mine is so minimize the harm. The, the, the two philosophies about feeling the in, uh, violating the ethics of an individual is violating ethics regardless. And yours is minimization of harm is better. So utilitarian versus deontological. From my standpoint, committing yeah, one unethical I, act is a violation of principle and ethics that can't be crossed. But I will admit there's not like a hard line. It's, 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 is, you know. um, I think that is silly, to be honest with they're, you. I mean, I, I respect you, you know, but they're very strong philosophical uh, positions held well, by I, most people. I, that I, kind of, I believe that less suffering is better and that I am willing to... I'll, I'll, I will tell you something you won't like to hear, though. I'm willing to sell myself if that, uh, that's the outcome. But, but I'll, I'll tell you something you're not going to want to hear, and, and I admit it's, it's uh, I'll, I'll call it dickish. Uh, utilitarianism is typically the villain in most movies. I don't care. Uh, and that was part one of a two-part podcast. If you're interested in finishing it, then uh, you should wait for the next episode.